This is the Influencers Network Podcast. I'm your host, Brian Craig. I'm here at the home office of Influencers in Bentonville, Arkansas. And I'm back with our founder, Rocky Fleming. Welcome, Rocky. Hey, Brian. You, we've uh, we've let you off the hook for a few weeks. Now I'm pulling yeah. you back in. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. So we've had some great interviews the last few weeks. And uh, today, again, a lot of these podcasts come out of conversations Rocky and I are having as we're talking about the ministry and and I'm always asking him lots of questions because I, I, he's an older man in my life, one of my mentors. And we've been talking a little bit about, I, I think that, I think where it all started was we were, we were talking about life and, uh, and, and what is real life versus, uh, the illusion the of illusion, life yeah. called the American dream or whatever. And that was kind of dovetailed into a conversation about men like you, Rocky, and, and there's a few other men like him, just a handful yeah. that I know of who are in their 70s, a lot of them are in this ministry, you know, different yeah, areas right. who uh, who are finishing well, who, who live their lives for the Lord. You know, there, there's no such thing as retirement for them no. or whatever the world's view of retirement would be. So so I think that's kind of where the conversation started. And, and you were you were talking about our favorite, one of our favorite movies, uh, and we share this in common. Yeah, it hasn't been long since we were watching it either. It's a wonderful life, it's a Jimmy wonderful, Stewart. Uh, yeah, every Christmas. That's a every tradition. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And uh, if you haven't seen it, I you know you've got to watch it. They're so, not American. They're not. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I'd say watch it now. Don't wait till Christmas. They're a spy. Yeah, yeah. Something. It's like it's it's un-American. Uh-huh. I mean, I don't know watch that movie, but but yeah, th- this guy who always who uh, was a good man and 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 loved to help people and, and work in his community, but he always thought. His life was somewhere else. He had a bad attitude. He did. He did. He did. He was always complaining. Yeah, yeah he was complaining, what, what, and he felt like he deserved better. And I mean, it was he was the old savings alone was taking his time. And what's that good old Southern word you, you're always springing on me? Mully grubbing. <laughs> That's part of it. <laughs> what is mully grubbing? Well, it means you know just kind of getting your head down, feeling sorry for yourself. Uh-huh. Yeah. yeah, yeah, kind yeah. of complaining, whining. Oh yeah, yeah. 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 Okay. So, uh, so yeah, so uh, George Bailey, the character, you know, he was always thinking his life was going to be if he could go on great adventures, mm-hmm. if he could build If things, only he could. If he could make a million dollars by the time he's 40, whatever, you know. Oh, yeah. But we all relate to that. And it takes an angel, takes divine intervention to show him otherwise, mm-hmm. right? And also, in his case, to be able to show him what it, his life would have looked like and what the world would have looked like had he not been there. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Because he was thinking his life was worthless and, you know, what good am I? What have I ever done? Has done anything in this life, in this world? And then Clarence said, okay, well, poof, you never existed. And then he let him go back into the, see the people in his life that he loved so much, uh, how they, where they were. Even people that didn't know him that were lost uh, because he didn't save his brother, who also died, uh, would have died had he not saved him. And his brother didn't shoot down the torpedo plane that was going to take down the boat that had thousands of troops in it. And so, you know, the cascading effect, if old George Bailey hadn't been there, what would this world be like? Mm-hmm. Now, that's a good question, isn't it, in reality? Yeah. 
You know, I'm thinking of uh, the prayer cottage book, the examination room. Mm-hmm. We we tend to focus on examining our sins or any or unforgiveness or anything that needs to be fixed. But how about examining the blessings in our life oh, and, yeah. and God's the way He's blessed us on our faith journey? You know, I'll never forget uh, uh, Chambers uh, making a comment in one of his. Uh, post in, in my first highest, and he said, in essence, he says that all self-pity is from the devil. Yeah. And if you stop and think about it, uh, you know, that's not far from the, from the actual, actual, literal truth that that this whole thing with Satan and God began when he began thinking more of himself. He started feeling sorry for himself. He wanted to rise up above, you know, God Almighty. And he, he didn't like that lowly position of just being an archangel that lived in the presence of God. He didn't like the fact that he was just absolutely beautiful, which he was. And because of his self-pity, he lost it all. And so little wonder that one of the biggest struggles that we have with self-pity leads to so many of the Downfalls in our life, in as far as relationships are concerned, as because as far as joy is concerned, as far mm-hmm. as the vibrancy of life. Your old George Bailey was about what fifty, fifty-five years old in the movie when he discovered that he had a wonderful life. Mm-hmm. But for the first forty years or last forty years, he'd been mully grubbing, mm-hmm. and he didn't realize really how good it was. Now he was facing the fact. He really does have a good life, and I gotta believe the movie's gonna be great. If there were another movie, it would show how great his life was from then on. Yeah, yeah. But what it doesn't show was how much of his life he had lost. Mm-hmm. And and as far as I'm concerned, I don't want to lose any life. You know, I don't have that much left any. But I think any life that is wasted, uh, mully grubbing through life. Mm. Uh, and focusing on what you don't have rather than the things that you do have. Mm. I think it's a shame. And I think it's a it's an indictment against Christians mm-hmm. because, you know, we are given so much that we know and don't know from our Father in heaven. And if we can't give back him a sacrifice of praise and thanksgiving uh, for everything, even the trials in our life, even the things that force us to prayer, force us to our knees, force us to Him. Even those difficulties turn us toward blessings. And of course, that's what the Scripture says in Romans, that He's confident that that all things will work for good Mm -hmm. for those who love the Lord and called according to His purposes. Mm. You know, I'm thinking of another verse, uh, John 10, 10. The thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but Jesus said, I've come that you may have life and have it abundantly. Yeah. So what do you think? An abundant life is. I, th- I mean, I think the devil, you mentioned the devil, self-pity, and he's also trying to steal our hopes or steal our happiness or peace or, you know, all sorts of stuff. But then what is this abundant life Jesus is talking well, about? Well, I think you probably understand that Christianity is in, is a direct opposition to the world. Right. And its value systems. Okay. So let me ask you what you think Madison Avenue, would, how they would answer that about what the abundant life looks like. Oh, Forbes top, you know, top millionaires or, you know, the mm-hmm. wealthiest men in America or whatever. Yeah. You know. Oh, yeah. And, of course, they're the they're the great advertisers of the world, too, aren't they? So they tell you the Rolex watch, uh, you know, the very expensive car or two or three and the biggest mansions and jewelry and, you know, vacations and leisure time. 
multiple homes, yeah, jet, private yeah. jets. I mean, those those are these illusions of grandeur that they put out there as the wonderful life. Mm-hmm. But I want to tell you, that's in contrast to what Christ said is the wonderful life. It's not to be those those things actually uh, they're easy they're very easy to own you. Mm-hmm. And you become a servant to them. You become a servant to debt. You become a slave to debt. And those things that we feel like is the only thing we need to make us happy and it's material, it will always rust, rot, be stolen. It won't last, and you will one day regret it. Mm-hmm. And then all you're going to do is you're going to have this, and then you're going to try to figure out how to get the next thing and the next thing and the next thing. It's a vicious cycle. Mm-hmm. It does not lead to a wonderful life. It leads to emptiness. And the reason why, it's like it's an illusion. Mm-hmm. It's a, something that you think is real, only to be a little wispy thing that fades away when you get close to it, mm-hmm. like a mirage. Yeah, Just leads you in the wrong direction, makes you thirsty, think you're going for water in a, in a desert. But when you get near to it, you understand you were just seeing a mirage. And I think that that's one of the problems that we have growing up, especially in this country, because we've been a prosperous country. Mm-hmm. And, um, and a country that, it, that actually we're based on sales and manufacturing. And if you're going to manufacture something, you've got to be able to sell it. If you're going to sell it, you've got to advertise it. You've got to have buyers. You have to try to create need. Now, that's basically what's happened. They try to make you think you have a need for something that's really not that needy. There are a lot of things that we can do without and find greater joy in not having. Mm-hmm. Now, for my own life, Brian, you know, I was a kid growing up in Mississippi and we didn't really have much. But I had a good home, a good family. and But I was just on that uh, economic strata that Growing up, I thought that if I could just make enough money to buy everything I need, then I would be happy, right? Mm-hmm. And I was the George Bailey who said he wanted to make his million dollars before he's 30 years old. Yeah. And, you know, and, and so the bottom line is that you, you, you kind of, in this country, you kind of shape, you're shaped that way. Mm-hmm. You know, through advertising, through the, what we call the American dream. And that is to, you know, to get the education, to get the job, to make the money, to buy it, to create your retirement, to create your savings, and then at the end, take your leisure time and then die. Mm -hmm. And that's the life that's promised, to work, to accumulate, to have a little fun, to arrive safely at the end and die. Mm -hmm. What kind of life is that? Yeah. Yeah, and then when we stand before the Lord and he asks us, what did, what did you do with the life I gave yeah, you? Yeah, and then he'll say it, and you do know you were a steward of that life. Yeah. Well, on the other hand, it's not just about the accountability that we have then. It's just the fact that we're losing so much now. Yeah, you, you've known some people that have been extremely wealthy oh, and, and live for that. And I, and I have too. Yeah. And I honestly, they're not very happy. And I, as a matter of fact, the strange thing 
I've noticed is a lot people that have a lot of money spend a lot of time worrying about losing it. Yeah, it's a weird dynamic. And the happiest they they, they are is when they give it away. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. I know. I know. It's true. Yeah. I mean, it, it's interesting about that. But you know, the the thing about money is amoral. It's it doesn't. I mean, money yeah. doesn't have a a morality to it. It's how you use money. Right. right. And you can use it uh, really, really great, and you can use it bad. Mm-hmm. You can be wise with it, uh, and you can reinvest it in in things that really matter, and it can really help. Or you can hoard it, bury your hole, and think you're going to have your security because you got your money. But all of that spells leanness to your soul. Yeah. Because it's driven by money. And, you know, the Scripture says that the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. Yeah, yeah. And what, all, that, what it means is that there are all kinds of evil that come into the person who has a love for money. It doesn't say money. It doesn't, it doesn't say money does that. Yeah, people mis- love for people money. misquote that all That's the time. That's right. It's not it doesn't say money is the root of all kinds yeah, of evil. Right. Yeah, the love of money. And so, you know, God does bless some people and makes them very prosperous, but I've seen some of those people to be very generous and they have a gift of giving, and they have a gift they they give hilariously. Mm-hmm. They they're not defined by their wealth, even though they have a lot of wealth. They're not defined by it. And then I have seen people who have very little, and they give hilariously, mm-hmm. and they're not defined by being poor. Yeah. Now, isn't that something mm. that to know Christ and to live with Him in the way that He wants you to to live with Him, that money whether you have a lot or have very little, will not define the joy in your life. Yeah. That's the wonderful life Yeah, that walks with him in whatever place he puts him. The wonderful life is walking with Jesus mm. and being content with it. Yeah. You know, I, uh, I'm, I'm thinking of King Solomon. And, you know, he, he had everything. You know, as a matter of fact, he... God said, I'll grant you whatever you want. And he, and he asked for wisdom. And he said, since you asked for wisdom and didn't ask for wealth, I'm going to go ahead and give you the wealth too. Yeah. But it, you know, if you read Ecclesiastes, it's a great book for people who are who are kind of very successful or, you know, after trying to make money and all that. It's really good to read because his whole money, his whole, in all Ecclesiastes, he's, he's trying to satisfy everything he thinks he desires. Wealth, great projects, women, mm-hmm. uh, pleasures, all that. And, and, his conclusion and all of that is everything is meaningless. Vanities. Yeah, yeah. And you never read where he gave money away. You never read where he mm-hmm. was li- living a gracious life. Mm-hmm. And it just rotted him in from the inside out. And as a matter of fact, at the end of his life, he was led astray by those mm-hmm. wives to worship other gods. Right. And, and serve the Lord. He didn't finish well. No. At all. No. So uh, Sally, my wife, and I were talking this past, uh, just a couple of days ago about Solomon and and uh, she had read where he has like, I think it's about 600 wives and 300 concubines. And she's trying to get around to ask me, what, what was he able to, I mean, you know, was he able to spend some time with them, you know, in her own way, she's saying. And I said, I doubt it. Yeah. I doubt it. I yeah. think it's about a conquest. He's only human. It, it was a line. It, yeah, it was just alignments and everything else. But, you know, the thing about it is that if you have a, some people look at that and they say, man, that's the God I want to serve if you'll give me that kind of life. Because mm-hmm. they're looking at, you know, the sexual pleasure they think they can have with as many women as they can think of. Yeah. 
But the fact is, is that if that is what they're thinking about, then they need to look and see how Solomon ended. Because hmm. he sure didn't get it. Hmm. He didn't get the pleasure out of it. I mean, it was it just got old with him. He just he got it, he attained it, he, he conquered it. And what's next? What's mm-hmm. next? And this is the way when we have a pursuit after the things of the world or the things the world tells us that we should desire. Because, well, well that's what men do. Or that's what Americans do. Hmm. We need to desire it because we're told we need it because, hey, it's advertised. Mm. But you can't you can't believe that messaging. You have to believe the messaging of, of God the Father who tells you where the joy and the peace that surpasses all understanding. Yeah, I'm thinking about Paul. If you want to contrast Solomon and Paul, mm-hmm. Paul was, you know, very astute and educated, probably had some wealth because he was a pretty sharp guy. At one time, yeah. Yeah, at one time, but then— uh, he found the wonderful life yeah. and just gave his life away. And how many times does he write about joy? Mm-hmm. Even in the midst of chains and being in prison, being flogged, severely yeah. beaten. And he's always writing about joy and singing psalms and all that. Well, so I was, uh, I don't remember the, the passage. I can't go to it right now, but I, I'm sure many people would go to it or understand it. But he did say in one passage, he says that he's thinking about all the things that he'd had in the past that were basically his you know, going his wall of fame. His so pedigree or whatever. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, he, and he said, I consider those but rubbish mm-hmm. in comparison to knowing Christ. Yeah. And and when he says talking about rubbish now, he's talking about all the things that he had gotten to that point. And he, he was a, a scholar, like you said, but he was a Jew of Jews, mm-hmm. which means he had the pedigree, the birth, he had the education. Mm-hmm. He he had the early on success as a Pharisee. He was given a license to kill. Mm-hmm. You know, he was given a license to go hunt and destroy Christians. Mm-hmm. So you don't get to that place of prominence by the Jews or by the Roman government unless you had some area of importance. And I guarantee you that he was really proud of himself. Mm-hmm. And now he's saying, I'm ashamed of it. It was rubbish. It was a lie. Yeah. And I think that that's what happens with a lot of men and women, too, who get to a point where they have achieved a lot of things that the world told them that if they could only have that, they could have happiness. Mm. To only find that, no, it's a lie. Mm. Last year, I think there were two or three celebrities, great wealthy celebrities that took their own life. Yeah. And because they were at the apex of their career and wealthy, successful, all the other things, and yet it wasn't enough. They were empty. Yeah. And that's that's what happens with somebody who doesn't know Christ, by the way, is that in this world, if you don't know Christ, the best you can get is in this world. Right. If you know Christ, the worst you get is this world. But if you don't know Christ, and when you get to a point that this world no longer has taste or meaning, and success means nothing to you anymore, and you've been told all your life that that's what your your crowning glory is, to have that. And here you have people in their 40s and their 50s that get all of that, and all of a sudden they realize, what have I got? And they take their life. What does that say about the promises this world gives you? Oh, absolutely. Lies. Lies. Well, and 
it seems like we were addressing people who who uh, maybe are successful or have a lot of money or whatever. But I, I don't I don't think it's just for them. I think what about people that are thinking that's what they want? You know, the people who don't seem to have as much as they think they should have or wish they had, and they're sitting around watching Facebook or whatever and thinking everybody, you know, they're envious in a sense that everybody seems to have the the wonderful life. Yeah. I mean, you know, I guess it's for them too to understand. No, I think that I think you have to have a credible person who has can look back and say, you know, I'm where you were, and uh, and I got to that point and found that it was empty, and then I found the real deal. Mm-hmm. And 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 that person enters their life and oftentimes can speak truth to them. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that. That person who speaks truth will be speaking out of the, his own experience with Scripture, where Scripture guided him to understand the truths of, of the of the of the life that he really was longing for but couldn't find with by the ways of the world. Mm-hmm. And and so here I am. I, I can use me as an example because I was uh, at the top of my career when I felt the call to to give up my license, to give up my income, give up my chance of retirement. And to streamline my life in such a way that I didn't need as much money as I used to, give up my aspirations for a leisure life at retirement, give up all of the things that were that I at one time had worked for, hoped for, dreamed for, uh, to be able to go ahead and move forward with influencers and to invest my life and and a lot of other ways into the ministry to get it going. And here I am now, 74 years old, where a lot of people at this particular point would be taking their leisure and going and traveling and all that. Mm-hmm. And I see a lot of my friends that do that. Mm-hmm. Uh, their life is defined by the next trip they take or the next you know, thing that they can check off is something they've always wanted to do. But then I look at their life and I see emptiness. Mm-hmm. Because I think it's almost like keeping a wheel spinning just to, so it won't slow down. Mm-hmm. And uh, and I and I was I'm reminded of that qu- that quote that goes something like this: that why do walk sa- why do we walk safely through life? Oh, why do we walk timidly through life only to arrive safely at the end? Yeah, is that life for a Christian mm. to walk timidly through life, trying to make ourselves comfortable so that we can arrive safely at the end? I don't get it. And so I can tell you that I did give it up, but I am I'm glad I did because it would have been an idol. Mm. And it, it would have limited me from being able as an older man to, to really have a vibrant ministry and a vibrant life mm. if I had taken that, if I if I'd swallowed that. Mm. And I told you before that, you know, sometimes when I get tired and achy and weary from, you know, the pace we're on sometimes. Sometimes our pace is pretty grueling, especially when we're traveling, we're speaking. And I and I'm thinking, you know, this is when you get a little vulnerable and you say, Boy, well, I think maybe it might be time for me to, you know, go to the beach and that'd be my deal. Go to the beach and live down there and whatever. But I'll write a few books, Lord, every once in a while. I can while. always negotiate with that one, right? <laughs> <laughs> There's a point I want to make on that, too. But I find that every time I go to the beach for about one week on the eighth day, I'm ready to come home and get back at it because it's not satisfying. It's, it's, a, it's a good rest. 
mm-hmm. but it's not a life. Yeah. And the other thing about that asterisk on, I can go down there and write a book. It doesn't work that way for me. It's uh, I, I write the books in the midst of the storms, in the midst of the struggle, mm. because that's where I get my best literature. That's where I get my best information that comes from the Lord is how to process it, how to how to help somebody else process it, but process it myself. And, you know, it's just not, I don't process well in writing a book if I'm in leisure. Mm. It generally has to be in, in the midst of the challenges. Mm. You know, one, one last thought I was just thinking about. I was with a group of guys this morning, and we were just talking about dreams. Mm-hmm. You know, and we're reading a book called The Dream Giver, that, another Bruce Wilkinson book, yeah. that, right. where he's just talking about how God is the dream giver, and he puts things in our hearts. And, and I was dovetailing it back with a thought about purpose-driven life, and mm-hmm. how Rick Warren said everyone's got a purpose, you know, and God's put it in you. And it's not about you. It's about helping the world somehow or another, you know. And yeah. the, when those dreams— Awaken and they're they're for some purpose to help the world or something like that, and 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 I started thinking you know that that I think that's all true. I think he does that, and that's the purposeful life. I mean that's that's the kind if we start pursuing those things, which I think we only discover those things if we're abiding, if we're grounded in Christ, and and they're not dreams in the sense of American Idol, you know, or yeah. or hey, let me go make the American dreams are all let's go make a bunch of money, but God sized dreams are. Something that stretches you, but it's it's cool stuff that would help meet needs in the world. You know, is there a connection here with all this discussion? Maybe yeah, it is, but there's a caution. Okay, and uh, and the reason why I say a caution is because a part of uh, one part of my life was having a dream of the man I would one day be and do the things I was going to be doing, and so I made a I made a, a, a self effort in getting that going, and uh, and I was forty years old. And, and then the dream was what I'm doing right now. Really, it, you know, I had, had no idea I'd be a book writer or, or anything. But just by the way, the previous dream was to become a professional baseball player. Oh, yeah. And so and we're talking was, about you shelved that. Now, this is the God-sized dream. I didn't shelve it. <laughs> well, yeah. <laughs> yeah. He did, yeah. Yeah, it okay. was shelved. And I wanted it bad, and I struggled a long time afterwards uh, that my athletic career was over. But it, I see now it was necessary. It was right. It was good. Uh, it's a wonderful life, right? Because, mm-hmm. you know, you have to look back and see if I had taken that course, it would have might have led me away from never meeting my wife, mm-hmm. never having our children. There's so many things that are so valuable to me now that if I'd gone my way, I wouldn't have seen it. Mm. But, you know, back to what we're saying, that is that— uh, what were we saying? You, well, you were saying you wanted to give me a caution. <laughs> oh yeah, in, in, about folks on the dreams. So, so yeah, the 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 fact is, is that we we oftentimes try to make our own dreams reality by our own efforts, our own work, hmm. and we think we have a we think we know what God wants, and now it's up to us to try to go and make it. Hmm. And we oftentimes are following illusion, or we're not ready for it yet. We're not prepared for it, and I think that. I think God has taught me about how to how to finally walk in the desires of my heart, Brian, and that's to walk with Him daily. Mm-hmm. This is where the abiding message comes uh, square on with me, and that is if I abide with Him, which means if I will walk with Him daily, then He will walk me into His plans. Mm-hmm. He will walk the, me into the man and the and the man of the vision that he has for me. Mm. 
I don't have to stress on making it happen. All I have to do is stress on making sure I'm walking with him and listening to him and letting him reform me for that man of the future. Mm. And um, I had to I had to have, to have some pretty uh, knockouts on that one to be knocked down and then get up and have to relearn the lesson there. And in that particular case, I, I left that full-time gig that I was doing and came back because I was instructed uh, with some good wisdom to go back where you started and wait for God to call you rather than you make it yourself. Mm. And about six months later, he did. And that moved us up here in, in Bentonville, Arkansas. And I was here for several years. And at that time, there was a the reformation that was going on in me to prepare me to be the man I am uh, began to unfold. And as a result uh, of that, when the Reformation occurred, then the Lord said, now the time's right. And so it was probably pretty close to 20 years later that from the time he gave me the, the dream, that the dream became reality. Hmm. And I couldn't make it myself. It had to be that I learned to walk with him and then eventually walk me into that person. So, so the word is not to get all stressed about it. You know, I got to be, got to have my dreams. Mm-hmm. You just walk with the Lord and, and he'll show you the steps. And it'll be small steps, little by little, yeah. toward what he has for you. And most of those steps are, are reformation in our life. Our life is reformed. It's not about the, where we are it's, or how we get there. It's who we are when we get there. And God is making us into the person who will be there at that time, and be the it'll be the person prepared for it. And as you know, I mean, you can take the gamut on that. You can say, "I'm going to be a wealthy man one day. I have a I have a vision. I'm going to be a wealthy man one day." Well, let me tell you what: if that's from God, then He's going to do some stuff to prepare you for handling wealth. Right. 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 I'm going to be a great uh, whatever one day, writer, mm. one day. Okay. Well, what does that look like? Well, you know, I'll be signing autographs, and I'll be doing this, that, and the other. And I'll be, wait a minute, you, you're telling me that's from God? <laughs> you think it's going to be about your ego? It's going to be about you? If he's going to make you a great writer, don't you think it might be this because he's giving you a message, and that message is great? Mm-hmm. It's not about you? Right. See, that's what it was with me, Brian. Yeah. See, God had to reform me to make me into the man that he would one day use. Because if, if I had been the guy that first saw that, it, it would have ruined me, and this there had been nothing good come out of it. Because it had been about me mm. rather than him. Yeah. Well, we're, we kind of need to wrap this up here, but I, I think uh, you, we could talk about this for a long time. But I think uh, I would say, in summary, the wonderful life is is a surrendered life. It's, yeah. It's a. It's the one who is wonderful, the wonderful counselor, the God is wonderful. He makes your life wonderful if you sur- submit it to him yeah. and just take what he gives you, you know, and, and just quit fretting about trying to go make something for yourself and take what he gives you and, and be, be thankful. I think about you referenced Paul a while ago when he was at the end of his life and he was looking back and he said, I've run the race. Mm-hmm. I've kept the faith. There's a crown waiting for me. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, he was looking back, and he was seeing the life that he had lived faithfully. And he knew that the good stuff was ahead. Mm-hmm. And see, that's, that's where what we need to remember again. I say it again. If we don't know Christ, the best we'll ever get is what we get in this world. So go and have a party and do your thing, because that's all it is. Mm-hmm. 
But if you're a Christian, the encouragement I have to you is this life is the worst you'll ever have. Yeah. The best is ahead. That's the wonderful life. Yeah. And, Amen. It's, and it's waiting for us. Awesome. All right. Well, thank you, Rocky. I uh, enjoyed that this morning, and I know our listeners did too as well. Um, just a couple uh, final words to you all out there. I want to just remind you that our National Summit is coming up soon in a few weeks. And if you haven't registered yet, uh, pray about coming and join us. There's a, there's a few beds left, and uh, we expect about 300 men from all over the country. And, and there's already people coming in from Costa Rica and uh, Malaysia and other parts in the world. It's crazy, but uh, it's really amazing when we get all these men in one place. And uh, and so we expect some exciting things. we got some great things planned. Uh, so join us. Go to the website, www.influencers.org, and you'll see it says Soto National Summit. You can click on there and get all the information on how to register and all that. We'd love to have you join us. But uh, anyway, uh, this has been the Influencers Network Podcast, and I'm your host, Brian Craig, Executive Director for Influencers Global Ministries, encouraging you to abide in Christ and go make disciples. God bless you out there.